Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and today we're going to be talking about a subject that's very close to my heart and very close to my guest's heart, and that is talking more about the spiritual dimension of menopause. If we think about the popular conversations that are out there today on social media or on reputable websites, we're often talking mostly about the biological, physiological change, sometimes about the psychological and the social, but there's much less conversation around what we're calling the heart of menopause, that spiritual deeper dimension that is so much interwoven in this life transition. And as we step into the next phase, the second spring, our postmenopause. So I was really delighted when today's guests connected with me and wanted to come on the show and share some really deep spiritual work that I know she does. And so I'm delighted that Barbara Hanalor is joining me. She's an author, a speaker, and someone who's worked within self-care in health and wellness for more than 25 years. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Oh, hello, Clarissa. I'm so happy to be here. And I've been enjoying listening to your friendly conversations that just contain so much valuable insight. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I mean, today we're going to talk about something that you yourself call the heart of menopause. But how did you come to work in this space and to write an award-winning book? It was a roundabout process, Clarissa. And many years ago, I met Tamara Slayton. Maybe some of your listeners remember her. And she lived in Sebastopol, California, And she taught this wonderful in-depth approach to the menstrual cycle and, in fact, to the whole reproductive, the vast reproductive scope of a woman's life. And she addressed coming of age for mothers and daughters, the monthly menstrual cycle, and menopause. And she addressed it in this really deep way, saying, you know, these life passages, including the monthly passage of the menstrual cycle, These are opportunities for depth and wisdom for ourselves. And so I learned from her and took that ball and ran with it. And I developed some products and and programs for each of those stages. In fact, 20 years ago, a friend and I hosted two overnight menopause retreats, which were so wonderful. But then I left that behind and did other things. And now I'm coming back around to hosting. I now host a four-month online menopause circle called the Heart of Menopause. And it's so exciting to be doing this again. And now that I, when I did that 20 years ago, I wasn't quite at menopause. And now, of course, I am. I'm in my 60s. And I feel like I've landed. You know, I feel like, oh, okay. Because finally, I feel like I'm going to focus on this because all the work I've done around the menstrual cycle applies, of course, to menopause. And I'd like to explain that because that's it follows the same model. And menopausal women will appreciate all of it and they can share it with their daughters and granddaughters. So That is so beautiful as well, because there we are talking about this as being something that's not separate. I think if I've understood you right there, Barbara, this is not something that is, how should we say, separate from being a menstruating woman. It's like the next phase. And the fact that this is something that we share across our generations as women. 
But talk a little bit more about that whole menstrual cycle and how it ties into menopause. Tell me more. It's so beautiful. And the, the model is the cycles of nature. That's just the nugget and the nutshell of this program. And it's what I got from Tamara Slayton and from various, I used to listen to a little cassette tape by Brooke Medicine Eagle from her teachings of, of the, the Native American Moon Lodge. And just this idea that, I mean, obviously the different phases of our month are profoundly different. And yet we've been taught to ignore them and resent them. And there's an entire other way of looking at it when we just look to the cycles of nature. And I love to have the phases of the moon or the seasons is the model. And when we look at the stages of the moon, we have four clear phases of the moon. Each one lasts a week. We've got the, the dark of the moon. And then as the light grows, there's the two what they call quartermans, they're actually half lit, right? So we go from the dark of the moon up, up a week, and then the moon is half lit, and then up to the full moon. So that's the, the cycle, the time of the growing light. And then we have the waning light for the other equally distant half of the month. And those four phases are, are profoundly different from each other. And yet, of course, they're equally important. And so we can see that the seasons follow that same rhythm of the spring and summer, the summer, of course, being similar to the full moon, and then the fall and winter, and the winter being similar to the dark moon. Then we can lay the menstrual cycle onto that same model, and we can see that our own menstrual time, regardless of where the moon is, our own menstrual time is like our own personal dark of the moon. It's the dark, deep, introspective time. And then after our menstrual time would come our personal springtime where there's new ideas and new energy. And then the full moon corresponds with our ovulation time where estrogen is at its peak. And estrogen makes us more social and more appealing. It puts a little sparkle in our eyes and in our skin. <laughs> but then there's that entire equal, that equal length of the waning light where it's a time of completion. It corresponds with the autumn season and corresponds with the premenstrual time, which can be such a challenge for women because it's a time of completion, but we may feel less social and things that have been, when we're more on the surface of life and being more social up near the full moon time, there are things that naturally we're not attending to so much, but then those sort of deeper feelings or feelings that things that may have happened during the month that we just breezed right by, but they need our attention. All of those deeper things that we just need some time to catch up with ourselves. Those things are going to come up premenstrually. And they do through this other cycle, don't they? With the same cycle of be puberty, being the most fertile woman, and then perimenopause where we are and when we're, you know, in our fertile, we're very busy, we're very bright, we're, we're making, we're having babies, we're building careers. And perimenopause is this kind of quiet time, isn't it? This time of sorting things out before we go into a kind of introspective phase, which is so interesting, isn't it, Barbara, when we look at it as both linked to our lunar cycles and linked to the seasons, how so often it's very hard for women, isn't it, to be in this quieter, reflective space? Oh, yes. You describe that just so beautifully, Clarissa. And, and that's the thing is that 
menopause is the end of a larger life cycle. It's not the monthly cycle, it's the entire reproductive years. And yet, just like with PMS, we try our best to just completely ignore that anything's happening. We try to fight it and just act like nothing's happening and power through. And we think we're supposed to do the same at menopause, and then we just feel like we're declining and we're lacking. And But as you say, it's a beautiful, it's an invitation to introspection. It's an invitation to catch up with ourselves. It is. And when you're saying that, it's like we are, I think, having this opportunity to ask deep questions, aren't we, Barbara, about how am I living my life? Is this where I want to be? What purpose serves me now? Because purpose changes. It's not like it's fixed forever, or at least that's my feeling. And we may have had one purpose when we were young. And I think, and I love to hear your views that when I meet women, they feel very conflicted because the world loves this bright summer woman. That's the woman that's portrayed. And yet that's harder to be as we go through this phase of life, because as you said, it's a closing of one door before the next can open. Yes, and, and it's so reassuring to look at menopause instead of looking at it as this just inevitable decline that we just have to prop up the best we can. Instead, it's, it's the closing of one complete cycle and the beginning of another. And the symptoms, just like I, I keep referring back to PMS because we have these premenstrual symptoms, but they actually are signals that something wants our attention. It's an opportunity to rebalance. And so with menopause, that is so profound because we're not just looking back at the month, we're looking back at our entire life and what is it that just is calling out for our attention and our healing? And yes, we can profoundly change our purpose and our priorities coming back to centering ourselves, right? Yes. And yet so many women want to quick fix this phase, medicate it and move on or, or try and stay where they were, which must gosh, cause a tremendous amount of pain that we don't on a spiritual level that is sometimes resurfaces in other ways. I have found it so helpful. Susan Weed's wonderful book called Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way. And she divides menopause into the three stages of pre-menopause, menopause itself, and post-menopause. And she has herbs and practices for each one. And acknowledging that it takes time, as you and many of your guests have observed, it takes time. And there you don't always, another thing is that at the darkness of the cycle, you can't see where you're going. And it can be so confounding and confusing and discouraging. And I love to help women to honor the three phases. And the first phase is simply to pause and give ourselves time to review our lives, just simply as an acknowledgement of all we've done. And we don't often even do that, you know, much less celebrate, which also I'll get to. But just to acknowledge what, all that we've done, it's just, it's, it's inconceivable, it's beyond comprehension, all that we have done in our lives. And I love to give women not only time to write, but different simple rituals they can do to acknowledge the decades of their lives and just to spend that time. And then there's that, the phase of menopause itself, the, the time of the ceasing of the menses is not 
necessarily fun. I certainly went through this for years, trying somehow, part of me definitely hanging on to who I was. And so there's that, it's the value of just simply acknowledging this passage is happening, whether I like it or not. My reproductive years are ending. And to do some kind of just simple personal ritual, simply acknowledging that. And then finally, there's the third phase of postmenopause, where gradually, and again, this takes time, but we can gradually perhaps start our energy starts coming back, which I certainly have experienced. And we start to be able to see ahead. First of all, accept that we are in that next stage of life, and then to see ahead into what our passion and purpose may feel like for the future. And that's when we can do a celebration and have some kind of witnessing for ourselves. And so we actually do this in my We do all these things in my four-month women's circle. And I tell you, I just extended it from three months to four months, and I still feel, how are we going to fit it all in? But it's so fun to just creatively and and ceremonially celebrate all these passages for ourselves. And I absolutely just felt such a connection when you were talking about that. And this needing to, as you say, reflect, to look back. And I think... The enormity of our lives from puberty through till particularly that premenstrual, perimenopausal stage, so much has happened. And as women, we've done so much amazing things, even though we don't think they are because we judge ourselves by other people's standards. Oh, yes. Yes. And and so just that time to acknowledge that we have maybe gone to college, we've built careers, we've birthed and brought up children, we've dealt probably with a lot of difficulties and a lot of joy. And what a great opportunity you're affording women at this stage, Barbara, to stop and to celebrate. Exactly, to stop, yes. And and Susan Weed said, you can make your time away. She encourages you to just stop and take some time away. She said it could be an afternoon Or it could be a year, because she knows a woman who spent a year in a cave in Greece. I assume it was a furnished cave. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? It's a little bit eat, love, pray, isn't it, in that as well, Elizabeth Gilbert? But there is definitely that time of, as you said, taking some time out for yourself just to look back and in a way celebrate as well, but celebrate in a different way. And then you are right, there's this middle phase, isn't there? This working through the changes and listening to those signals. You alluded to that before, but the need to listen to the underlying message, Barbara. How do women do, can women do that? That's That can seem quite hard on the surface, can't it? Yes, and we aren't necessarily even going to understand all of our inner messages. That's the thing about the darkness. I had to console myself with that in different times of life. Well, remember, in the dark, you can't see. So just, (laughs) you're just going to have to trust for now. There's a wonderful book on menopause that's not, I don't know how many copies are left for sale, but I'm happy I got a hold of one. It's called Transformation Through Menopause. And she decided to go with it with her menopause. Her menopause was very disruptive. And she decided to just use expressive arts and creativity to let it out, even if she had no idea what it was or where it was going. And so her motto was, dance it out, draw it out, write it out, sing it out. And 
I just love that. And in fact, I need to be doing more of that myself. You've just encouraged me at the same time to, to think about that too, Barbara, because we are sometimes in this rigid box constrained. And I've actually just been working with a wonderful professor at the University of Leeds Beckett in the UK and done a creative writing course for women who are just coming out of menopause into postmenopause. And she ran a a workshop over three series, and it was just so liberating. Oh, it is. And I love spontaneous creativity, spontaneously writing or spontaneously drawing, and of course, spontaneously dancing, because it doesn't have to make any sense. You can write and just let the words flow onto the paper. They don't have to be complete sentences. And the same with drawing, you can just scribble. And that's the nice reminder that this doesn't have to take half a day. You don't have to get all serious and go into a cave to do this. You can just do it. And any amount of just releasing it will open up a little door and allow more to come the next time. But I think of this as a different language. Our inner self doesn't necessarily express through words or through logical conversation. It expresses in many other ways. And we're giving it that opportunity. And once we just sort of let it out, then gradually new things can occur. Exactly. And certainly that reminds me of of two things that have become, I I notice, very popular, particularly with women. And one is mindful drawing, where you literally put on some very soothing, mindful music and you let your pen flow in any way. And I went to the Mindful Living show in Manchester in the UK about three years ago, and that was one of the things that they were offering. And it was amazing how many women were just sitting down and there was just some blank paper and as many different pens and types of drawing implements you can use. And you just could draw to the music, whatever you felt. And I thought, gosh, that's a beautiful practice. And then one of the other things that's become incredibly popular in Sweden is something called kulning, which is, it's what people used to traditionally use to communicate with each other from one small farmhouse to another. And singing, it's what women do to call in their animals. And it's really like letting your your throat chakra be free and you can and you're supposed to project the sound you can sing you can call so they would talk they would call in their animals or ward off wild animals or even spirits so they use this and it's come back into immense popularity partly i think because with women mainly partly because i think we're so blocked we don't say you're talking about warding off animals. Women have such fierce power and fierce authority, which of course is not not suggested to us in modern culture. But you think of a, of a mama bear, she's protective and, and we have that in us. I, I love when you're talking about using our voices in that powerful way. And they're so powerful that you could actually be heard five kilometers away. So we're not talking about whispering. We're talking about Women in medieval times in remote little wooden huts out in the countryside communicating maybe to goats on mount, out in the valleys or maybe they're talking to somebody or wanting to get contact with someone who lives five kilometres away. And my neighbour does it. I hear her and I thought, what is she doing? And she's calling in her sheep and horses in the evening. 
Oh, I want to learn more. I hope that you can share with us more about that. I want to learn more about that. I'm planning to go on a course, so maybe I will be sharing a bit more about it and maybe more the spiritual dimension of it. But it feels to me like that's the same. We're much freer because it's not a fixed singing. You don't sing in a particular way. You just project your voice. So I, I just think that, yes, you're so right, Barbara, and what you're saying is be releasing in this time in whatever way works for you. Yeah, releasing and one thing can lead to the next. Also, my expressive arts training was taken with Natalie Rogers up in Santa Rosa and she created something called the creative connection where you, for instance, if an artist were to move before she would paint, then perhaps something different would come out in the painting because you had kind of maybe enlivened another layer there. And so Natalie would have us, okay, let's say you you do a bit of movement and then you draw, and this is without speaking in between. You just keep right on going in your own process. So you do a bit of movement and then you draw and then you'll write about it. And then you could move, you could look at your drawing and move again to your drawing and then write about that. And you can see that it could just keep going on and on. So it's a, such a different way of engaging with yourself. And, and I think modern culture encourages us to be so civilized and restrained that we really welcome so much of our inner self really needs these opportunities to let loose and not have to be logical. Yes. And you talked about movement and dance as well there. And I think that can be very freeing and very grounding in the here and now when we're used to living in a culture that's very heady and we're very future focused. Oh, there's so, yeah, the power of the present moment. Yeah, I just, that's how I love the rhythm of the cycle is to just be in the phase where you are and look for the value in that. And Back to the menstrual cycle again, when women have the courage to step back from their daily routine during their menstrual time, then they find that they're not behind later on. In the next phase after menstruation, they have fresh energy, whereas if they had just plowed right on through, they would more likely feel exhausted and resentful as the new month started. But instead, they are fresh. And so the cycle, by staying in the present moment, as you said, allows us to fall more deeply into ourselves. And once we're not menstruating anymore, if because the menstrual cycle did does offer that rhythm, but once women are not menstruating anymore, then we can follow the moon. And if we, we might notice ourselves already following the moon and already maybe once we pay attention, noticing that we might feel a little more low or a little just quieter as the dark moon approaches, or if we just want to have that rhythm in our lives where we can look forward to having that slower time, we can establish a practice of noticing the moon from week to week and planning ahead. That's the beauty of the two is that we can plan ahead for what we're going to be feeling like a couple of weeks from now. And I think that really takes us back, doesn't it, Barbara, to our ancient selves, because our ancestors would have been much more in touch with and were much more in touch with the seasons and the cycles of the moon than we are today because of the way we live. We're quite disconnected. Yet our ancient mitochondrial cells are very 
part of who we are are still in tune with those things, even if we're attempting to override it with light and constant food and just being overly busy. And certainly I know from, I had another guest on here, Molly, and she's talked a while back about sleep. But then she said, well, yes, our sleep is different as we go through our menstrual cycle and that we need less or more sleep at different points. And of course, that's us reacting also to this sort of phases and how, we can, how we're synced to the phases of the seasons and the moon. That is so true. We are, it's not as if we live in nature, we are nature and we're better for remembering that. I, I love to encourage women and myself for the simple things, getting sunlight into our eyes in the morning hours and getting our bare feet onto the ground are things like that are so soothing and reinforcing to our bodies. Yes, and, and something that I think we're beginning to discover or rediscover as our world, and I think maybe even this pandemic has allowed us to think we really are out of touch. And I've just finished reading Tending to the Sacred by Ashley Riverbrand. And she has, for a young woman, she shares so much wisdom for someone who's only in her 30s. She, it, it's quite staggering that a young woman can have evolved so far already but she is certainly talking about being in tune with different plants and exactly as you say Barbara you know taking off our shoes and putting our feet not on on the carpets or on the floor but actually out on the ground it's a bit cold here in the winter to do that but I do it in the summer walk barefoot in my garden and really feeling in tune with nature eating seasonal foods and all of that. Yes. And I want to return to the way you beautifully stated about asking the deep questions that can arise at menopause. And that's something that has been shared by those who talk about the Native American Moon Lodge practice and how at the menstrual time, women are considered to be as you know in the, in the darkest phase of the month. And that's when the veil between worlds is the thinnest. And that you have more access to intuition and guidance from the invisible worlds. And that's just so profound. And when you think about that, then the monthly cycle allows us to grow our wisdom and develop our wisdom by stepping back and listening to ourselves each month. And then, of course, menopause is more of the same, just on a much bigger scale. And so when we can trust that there are questions, you know, waiting to be answered and aspects of ourselves waiting to be rediscovered. And this is a beautiful, natural process. And we're invited to be just to go so much deeper than what modern culture offers us. Yes, I think in modern culture, we are in such a hurry. Is it over yet? Can I go on to the next thing, or the next phase or the next whatever? Or if it's tough, could it please make it go away? And you're right. We have so much to learn from native indigenous cultures. And that I just think that is a real depth of wisdom and connection with nature that we would so benefit from. I like to think of nature as a calendar, that nature's calendar has rest and rhythm built right in. And rest and rhythm are so essential for us. And modern calendars are so 
they're just they're connected to nothing in nature and they just plow right on into the future this straight line going out into the future just crammed with activity that we're never automatically we feel behind and hopeless when we look ahead at that stream of all these things we have to do this is terrible and nature the rhythms of nature it's like a calendar that has rest and rhythm built right in and we can turn to that it's like a different concept of time alexandra pope certainly talks about that she works about uh, the menstrual cycle in, in the UK and she talks about how it's a different concept of time. It's so beautiful. It's a much deeper concept of time. It is. And I mean, if it, I was just, as you were saying, is marching on forward. And I'm just thinking most of us here in the modern Western world, of course, operating on the Julian calendar. It was developed by Julius Caesar. I mean, he's a a military general, isn't he? So he tends to march forward. And it's quite a mass. It's quite a mass. And we're not talking about that men are all like that because they also need to operate with the rhythms. But it has that kind of sense of Roman legions marching forward, crushing everything in its wake, (laughs) as opposed to nature. I mean, nature rests. I'm a big gardener. And I've been in this new garden and I've just said to my husband, I'm just going to allow it to unfold. I don't know what it looks like. And I have been so joyed because I haven't got out the things and cut it all away. And instead, I've discovered little plants coming up, lots of berries, trees. I suddenly stood in there and I went, oh, we've got six cherry trees here that have self-seeded themselves Yet, if we'd gone around chopping things down, we wouldn't, and the birds have done that. So the birds have self-seeded them all over the thing. And that's what nature does. And if we allow it, then we can see so much beauty in how it evolves. If we weren't in such a hurry, Barbara. (laughs) But I think also it's magical. And you're talking so much also about, I think within that, a sense of positivity. And uh, share a little bit more about so many women think menopause is just all about negativity, but I don't think that's quite how you see it, is it? Well, yeah, the positive aspects, the fact that it's an opportunity to reconsider our priorities and recommit to ourselves. It's just that there's a lot of change and struggle and not letting go and not necessarily knowing where we're going, but it's this vast opportunity of finding, because, you know, that's what the cycle, the rhythm of the cycle, it expects us to recalibrate as the cycle ends so we can go forward in the best harmony with ourselves in the interest of our own health. And so that's what menopause is, it's opportunity. And honestly, we may need to reconsider sort of everything. (laughs) But to look at it that way is just so encouraging. And it's funny because I was creating a Pinterest menopause page and I looked under menopause on Pinterest and all I saw was weight loss and hormones, weight loss and hormones. And I thought, okay, but there's more to it than that. And my program certainly doesn't focus on that. And I do have wonderful references to women who do focus on on the hormonal aspect of things. But I had to go looking and I I started looking like in the goddess areas of Pinterest, and that's where I found the images that I want. <laughs> because we really, in many cultures, we come into our power. It's, it completely depends on what your culture values. Our cultures where women come into their power in their later years. Most definitely. Yeah, and you're so right, Barbara. I'm working on a book with another person now on a more global perspective of menopause. And with Arab women, there's a lot of difficulty while you're a fertile woman about what you can do and who you can touch. And 
women do most definitely in those sort of those in some African cultures, once they're no longer fertile, they have immense power in their societies. They can speak up, they can go places, they're freed in a different way. And so that's a space where menopause becomes empowering, not disempowering, because youth has other issues with it. So I do think we have tremendous opportunity and tremendous ability to see this as a powerful time in our life, as a time of a different growth. A different growth. And it also deserves celebration. As we've said, Sabon Fusome years ago said that we are designed as social creatures and that we require witnessing during certain passages of our lives. Otherwise, there's a part of us that doesn't realize we've done it. <laughs> and it's certainly true at Menarca first menstruation and then at menopause. These are huge life transitions. And so I encourage women to find ways to celebrate, to adorn themselves, to adorn their room and do a simple celebration for themselves at, as a passage and then, you know, do it again with friends. Do it as many times as you want. And something that I do for menstruating women is encourage them to gather a beautiful box of special things and then bring it out once a month when your period comes. So you have that to look forward to. And menopausal women, yeah, you can adorn the room, you can adorn yourself, you can have special pillowcase, special candle, special tea, little journal, just whatever you want. And the same with menopausal. If you're postmenopausal, you could gather something like that and bring it out at the dark of the moon, which is that most introspective time. And certainly, you can start gathering things for yourself in anticipation of doing a special ceremony for yourself, just in honor of how wonderful you are for going through this powerful passage of menopause. Oh, I love that. And that I was just going to ask you about key rituals, but you've really come up and shared those there for me because I love that. And as you said, there's obviously the celebratory ritual is so fantastic because it really does mark the transition, doesn't it? It does. And obviously, in, in my menopause workshop, there's women of all ages. There's women in their 40s who want to prepare. There are women in the midst of it. And there are women later in years who then get to do things they've never done for themselves. And so you can never do too much celebration. Like the women in their 40s were going to do a celebration for the passage of menopause, and they're not there yet. So that's fine. They can do it again later. <laughs> Yes, definitely. I love that. And if you had any advice apart from these wonderful suggestions you've already given, Barbara, if someone had to have a few key rituals, where would they start? Just so many things come to mind. Taking time away, honestly, taking time alone, taking time alone, believing you deserve that and that you believing you can do it. And then Put yourself in a beautiful setting. I, <laughs> I ended up having a menopause ceremony for myself that I didn't realize was a menopause ceremony for myself because my periods actually stopped suddenly at the end of a year where they had just gone between three weeks and six weeks and I thought they would gradually get farther and farther apart. Well, they didn't. They just stopped. And I was bereft, like I thought I had more time to say goodbye, you know, but I was at this beautiful weekend house and I just sat there and I watched the full moon rise in one big window and then I watched it set in the morning through the other big window and I just allowed myself to be. And I, I think 
if you can at least pause and get yourself into a beautiful natural setting that's so sonar and you know take yourself away from the screens for a while and just nourish yourself in that way that's a good beginning that is beautiful I love this. And I could talk all day and feel like I'd love to just be doing more, you know, more more moving and more writing myself. And I'd be encouraging you, my listeners, to do that too. But Barbara, how can people getting hold of your book, which I know has a lot of profound wisdom and connect with you and the course that you're running? Oh, thank you, Clarissa. My website is womenswaymooncycles.com. That's plural, Women's Way Moon Cycles. And on the home page, there's a drop-down menu at the top that takes you to courses, and you can find the menopause course there and also the waiting list for the next one, which starts in January. And also at the bottom of the home page, there's a, a place for to learn more about the menopause course. And I also have a menopause handout, which would get you onto my menopause mailing list. So we can just keep in touch and you can hear about ideas and resources and what's next. That is beautiful. Barbara, I love talking to you and I'm so delighted that we connected and you came on the show just to share a small piece of insight into your wisdom and your work. Thank you so much, Clarissa. I've just enjoyed this and and your own insights. And we, we have managed to touch on a lot of different things. And I agree that there's so much more to menopause than we often think. And, and thank you so much for sharing as you do with all of us. Oh, thank you. 